If you have your Bibles handy, pick them up and turn to Matthew 24. We'll be looking at verses 36 through 51. The Lord Jesus is teaching his disciples on the events at the end of the age, and he tells them of two who are in a field, one is taken and the other is left. Two who are at a mill, one is taken and the other is left. Today we ask, who are the ones who are taken and who are the ones who are left behind? Welcome everyone, I'm Joel Van Hoogen and this is The Bread of Life, an outreach of the International Discipleship and Church Planting Ministry, Church Partnership Evangelism. This year we're praying for our missionaries in Asia, Europe, and South America, along with our national directors from multiple countries around the globe, praying that God would grant to them many new sons and daughters growing in his family and for his glory. To learn more about our work, go to www.traincpe.org or breadoflifeboise.org. So now here's the question for today. In Matthew 24, verses 36 through 44, we have the Lord Jesus speaking of two individuals living together, one being taken and the other remaining. Is Jesus referring to the rapture of the church? Or is the Lord Jesus placing a different event before his disciples with a different lesson for them to learn altogether? Well, we don't have an introduction this morning. Instead, what we're going to simply do is try to identify the time period that the Lord Jesus is addressing within this topic of the Olive Discourse. We know that the disciples have asked him, when will come the destruction of the temple and what will be the sign of the destruction? And they've correlated that to the very end of the age, the end of the age period they were in. The Jews at that time had two ideas of ages. They had the age they were presently in, and then they had the age of the Messiah, in which the Messiah would come and set up his kingdom and restore all things to Israel. And those were the two ages. And they put together this idea of the destruction of the temple, God laying waste to the world as they know it, and then in this hope of the Messiah coming and reestablishing the world as they had been promised and as they longed for. And so they've asked, when is it going to be, and what is the sign of the destruction of the temple, and what is the sign of your coming in the end of the age? And obviously, with that, they're anticipating the coming of the Messianic age. And the Lord Jesus begins to answer those questions. In this passage, he's speaking of his coming at the end of the age. He's speaking of that moment when he comes at the end of the tribulation period, and before the establishment of his millennial kingdom. And so that's what we're reading about. That's the moment in time that we're reading about that the Lord Jesus is addressing to us and before us at this time. If you've read this passage before, and I trust you have many times, you have possibly read verses 40 and 41, where you have two people in the field and one being taken away and two people at a mill and one being taken away and and then the others are left behind at the field and at the mill. And you've read those and you've thought to yourself that these are depictions of the rapture. The idea that Christ is going to return and he's going to come to the skies and he's going to call the believers who are on the earth to come and gather and meet him in the skies and then he'll take them with him to be in his presence in heaven. And you, and you can read about that in, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 through 18. There is described that moment when those who have died in Christ will rise first and those who remain that are on the earth will rise up with them and they'll go to meet the Lord Jesus in the air at the call of the Christ and at the sound of the trump and then it says and so will forever be with the Lord. And you read this passage where you see these individuals that are taken, taken from the field, taken from the mill and you think to yourself, well, that's what it's describing. That's describing that moment of the rapture when the Lord Jesus comes for his own and receives those who believe and trust in him unto himself. But I'm going to challenge that view here this morning. This passage doesn't address those things. 
the ones who are taking this passage are not the believers who are waiting for the Lord Jesus to come and take them off to heaven. Those who are taken away in this passage are those who are taken away into judgment. Verse 39 gives us the establishment. There are those who are compared to those who are living in the day of Noah, and they're taken away by the floodwaters away into judgment. In fact, there's a parallel passage we could look at. It's in Luke chapter 17. You might want to turn there. In Luke chapter 17, and this is either a separate occasion when the Lord Jesus is basically speaking to and addressing the same topic, or this is a parallel account, and depending on who you read and what commentator you read, you'll get different views on that. But here, Luke is sharing with us the instruction that the Lord Jesus is giving at that time. And at that time, the Lord Jesus speaks of his coming like lightning coming across the sky, just like we read in Matthew chapter 24. And he compares his coming to what will take place as in the days of Noah, just like in Matthew chapter 24. There, Luke adds that he also says it's like what happened when he came upon Sodom and Gomorrah in the days of Lot. And what we know in both of those cases is after the Lord came upon the land in Noah's day and after he came upon Sodom and Gomorrah in Lot's day, that Noah and Lot remained. They remained upon the earth and they remained to enter into a new age after that judgment fell, but everybody else was taken away. People were swept away in the flood. People were swept away by the fire and At the end of the teaching, in verses 34 and 36, the Lord Jesus says this. Let me read to you verses 34 and 36 of Luke chapter 17. Jesus says, I tell you, in that night there will be two in one bed, and one will be taken, and the other will be left. And two will be grinding together, and one will be taken, and the other left. And two will be in the field, and one will be taken, and the other left. And now the disciples want to know where they're taken to. And so the disciples say in verse 37, they answer and said to him, where, Lord? Where are they going to be taken? And so he said to them, where the body is, there the vultures will be gathered together. Some of your translations say eagle. It's the same word. The same word that used for vultures was used for eagle. But the idea here is vultures will be gathered together. We saw this passage, this verse also referenced in Matthew 24. And we came to understand that it was a depiction of the catastrophic judgment that he would bring upon the earth at the end of the age. They're taken away into the domains of death. They're taken away into judgment. So we begin here at looking at this passage by establishing the time that the Lord Jesus is prophesying about. He's speaking about that time at the end of the great tribulation when he will return to bring those who are in the world who have rejected him into final earthwide judgment. And this judgment will result in their destruction. And from that, those who remain upon the earth will go with the Lord Jesus into the messianic age, that age that was anticipated by the disciples when they said, Lord, is this the time in which you restore the kingdom to Israel? It's the age that they was anticipated by the prophets. It's the age that was anticipated by the Jews at that time. And that age will commence. We're at that turning point. Christ will reign upon the earth with his elect those he rescues out of this time of great tribulation. But the moment here that the Lord Jesus is speaking to is at the end of that great tribulation. It climaxes in this one final massive judgment that comes over all the earth. From this, we want to make a number of observations. So go back to Matthew chapter 24 on the passage that we read, and we're just going to make a series of observations, and we'll see how quickly we can do this. But the first observation we're going to make is this. There will be, at that time, at the end of the great tribulation, before this great judgment comes upon the earth, there will be enough evidence 
for people to anticipate the soon coming of Christ in judgment upon the earth. But that evidence will go unheeded. There will be enough evidence to know that Christ is coming back to judge. When we read here that Jesus says the day and the hour of his coming is not known, that does not mean that the evidence of his soon coming has not been revealed or that his judgment and the evidence of his coming judgment is not being revealed. Think about the days of Noah during the ark. We understand that Noah was building that ark for about 100 years. During the time that he was building that ark, 2 Peter 2.5, Peter tells us that Noah was a preacher or a herald of righteousness. All that while, Noah is preaching to the people and declaring to them what God's demands are and what God is concerned about and what God is calling from them. And he's calling them to repentance, but they're ignoring the message. They're not hearing the message. This is coming at a time in the history of the world also in which the world is falling further and further into chaos because of the wickedness that's on the earth at that time. It became so chaotic that ultimately God said, I'm not going to put up with this any longer. Destroy all men from the face of the earth. And so it's not at a time, you might say, of peace and blessing, but of an ongoing, confused state of turmoil that's going on in the world all around. They can see it. The world and the civilization is beginning to fall apart and fracture, but they're still plowing ahead. And, and also this strange phenomenon is going on. As Noah's building the ark and Noah is consistently proclaiming this message of righteousness, eventually animals start showing up around his ark. Two by two of every kind. And all that takes place and all that is happening before the eyes of the people. And yet they ignore and they reject the evidence that's coming out before them. They're not listening, they're not paying attention, and, well, listen, this phrase that the Lord Jesus is speaking to and these things that the Lord Jesus is speaking to is also going to happen at the end of the age. Take again your Bibles and go to Revelation chapter 8 and 9. Maybe I'll just reference it for you because we won't have have time to look at this in depth. But in the same way that the signs are before the people in the time of Noah, the signs of Christ's coming and judgment are coming before the people at the end of the tribulation. You read the book of Revelation, and no matter how you read it, whether you read it as one steady stream of chronology or whether you see it a recapitulation of a period of time that's being told to us over and over again, what you do see is this mounting judgment and these expressions of judgment that are building up in a concentrated period of time at the end of history. And in Revelation 8 and 9, you have examples of the kinds of things that are happening in this seven-year period of time. You have... Discussed in those two chapters, six judgments that come upon the earth at that time. Four of them fall upon the land, and two of them fall upon human beings. First, you have a judgment of fire that comes upon a third of all the vegetation and destroys a third of the vegetation of the earth. Then you have a third of all the creatures of the ocean dying because the ocean becomes poisoned and they're destroyed. And then you have a third of all the fresh water that's available to the people on the world poisoned and made undrinkable. And then you have a third of the light, the the light that flows to earth from the heavens is diminished. The light that comes from the heavens is diminished by a third. And then you have the releasing of a demonic horde or infestation that will strike the human race with physical miseries for a period of five months. Then after this, John concludes that there will be a series of three plagues which will result in the death of one-third of the human population. See all that? 
A third, a third, a third, a third, a third of destruction going on in that period of time. And at the end of all those things, Revelation 9, 20 and 21 reads this. But the rest of mankind, who were not killed by these plagues, did not repent of the works of their hands, that they should not worship demons and idols of gold and silver and brass and stone and wood, which can neither see nor hear nor walk. And they did not repent of their murders or their sorceries or their sexual immorality or their thefts. These events and more are described as you continue to read on in the book of Revelation of that place and that time period in the tribulation before Christ comes visibly and personally to judge upon the earth. This evidence, you would think, would alter the people and help them understand that some judgment is coming. Maybe each wave came by and they thought, well, maybe the worst is over. And then another wave came by and they thought, well, maybe now the worst is over. And now, now the worst is over. We can start rebuilding. And they don't seem to understand that things are building up to a great judgment that's going to be outpoured upon him. The evidence is largely unheeded. But the evidence is there. The evidence is there. That's the first thing we want to see. The evidence was there that God was bringing judgment. It was mounting up for them. They could see it coming on the way towards them. Here's the second thing we want to, observation we want to make about this. We should never underestimate the capacity of sinful people to suppress the truth that God is revealing. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 verse 5 commands that the Christian test themselves to see if they're in the faith. In answer to this command, and with the desire to bring Christians into a sound and true assurance of saving faith, we've developed a website and a book for this purpose. Go to SavingEvangelicals.com and take the test and order the book by the same name, Saving Evangelicals. I can't think of a more important book for our day. Again, thanks for listening to The Bread of Life. Until the next time, may God bless you.